Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of The Dean Douglas Show. Before I dive into the bio of today's guest, I have an exciting announcement, and that is that for the first time ever, we have our very first sponsor. I've decided to partner up with Robert Borgerson. He was actually a guest on my podcast. You can check out episode number 17 to learn more about our conversation, everything that we talked about. And Robert started a business part-time called We Pay Off Debt. And Rob specializes in providing financial support specifically to Canadians. And Rob teaches a proven process of Canadian financial guidance to pay off debt and be intentional, I like that word, with your finances, all so that you can give with outrageous generosity. He has been coaching Canadians for a few years now and has helped numerous people pay off large amounts of debt and get control of their money for the first time. Check out wepayoffdebt.ca forward slash Dean for, drumroll, 50% off your first month and some free tools to get you started. Once again, check out wepayoffdebt.ca forward slash Dean for 50% off your first month and some free tools to get you started. All right, my guest today is Lillian Sue. She's the owner of In Retrospect Writing Services, which you can find at www.inretrospectwritingservices.com, providing strategic copywriting, publicity, and social media services to indie filmmakers and brands in the food, beverage, tourism, hospitality, and tech industries. She's also the co-founder of The Ignite Universe, which you can find at www.theigniteuniverse.com, which is an innovative audience and engagement and growth platform designed to help filmmakers take control of their marketing and build engaged audiences by creating their own, in quotations, worlds, giving audiences, investors, and distributors a chance to learn more about a film's development and production journey. Lillian also has contributed to numerous blogs and publications such as the Vancouver Startup Week, Global Owls, and Jeweler Magazine. You can find some of that content at www.liliansue.contently.com on tech and marketing. We actually decided to share this conversation as a bonus, or we'll call it a part one, because this was originally supposed to be just a pre-podcast conversation to briefly discuss which topics we wanted to cover in the actual podcast. However, the conversation had too many good nuggets and thought it was worth sharing as well. So please enjoy our pre-podcast or part one conversation and stay tuned for part two. And just a brief summary of topics that we cover in this episode. We talk about uh, mindset for entrepreneurs, mental health, being a woman of color in business, the idea of not working at one place for three decades, uh, which is actually quite an interesting insight. I really like what she had to say about that. Not growing up with entrepreneurs, uh, big takeaways in being a business owner, working with one or two clients at a time, co-founding a company, strategy for marketing. We just talk about marketing overall, um, marketing and expectations and communication. So please enjoy this wide ranging, enjoyable part one conversation with Lillian Sue. All right. So we are live. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, we were just talking about just, you know, covering off some topics of things that we hope to chat about in our upcoming 
podcast episode. So um, what were some of the things that you were hoping to, uh, to cover? Um, you know, just like uh, a lot of what I've seen in, in recent months is like uh, mindset for entrepreneurs is pretty important, you know, particularly with um, taking hits with like the pandemic and, you know, um, other things that are going on. Like I've seen a lot of that going on that is pretty important, um, I think, to kind of touch on as on the mental health side of things, um, things about like being a woman in business, particularly a woman of uh, color and kind of how that um, there's a cultural paradigm that I've obviously been bucking traditions against and everything too um, in doing what it is that I do that I think might be interesting to kind of touch on because I know there's a lot of people um, that would probably have similar sentiments in regards to just um, you, you start on this journey and like your family's not supportive because, you know, I was raised by first generation immigrants who believe in staying in the same job for three decades and earning a pension and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm just like, there's, there's, first of all, I don't think there's going to be any in-house position that's going to make me happy enough to stay beyond five years. And this is not me being, being finicky. It's more of a, what do I want to do? Where do I want to grow my skill set? How do I, what kind of leader do I want to be? And I just don't think that one company is always going to keep growing with me professionally, right? Number one. And number two, it's, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a family of entrepreneurs. My brother was really the only one who kind of took that on and he took it on because he had to, he came out of chiropractic college and had to open his own practice because working for two other docs just wasn't getting him where he needed to be and going through that and seeing him go through that. And he, he used to say, he was like, man, Cairo college taught me nothing about owning a business and running a business. So seeing him go through that and, and that's kind of, you know, he's been my primary sounding board about that stuff where I'm just like, you know, I, I don't, uh, especially in the early days where I was cold calling <laughs> leads and cold emailing leads. It was like 40 a day or so. And I used to say to him, I'm like, you know, go, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, Moy, like, whatever it is that you do, even if it looks promising, sounds promising, nothing's ever a done deal unless you get assigned on the dotted line. Number one, he goes in and, and number two, like when I was interning for that PR firm and everything, and I was like, thinking about leaving but feeling bad about it because i had loyalty towards my boss and everything he's like well at the end of the day have you learned everything that you need to learn have you grown to where you know you can strike out on your own if that's the case what's the point in saying and he's also taught me a lot about like just leadership just things about like asking more questions and things like you know whatever it is that you do make sure you can back it up and give them your rationale for why you decided to focus on these things and why you decided to prioritize these things. Because if there's anything that I've learned is that people can hire you in to prioritize certain things and then that's your responsibility. You t the onus is on you to make sure that that's working. And if they come back and tell you that's not a priority, then it's like, well, that's what you hired me to do. 
right? You hired me to take care of your PR strategy. You hired me to make sure that you had a crisis communications plan in place so that if anything went wrong, you're all covered. That's my priority. That's not for you to prioritize. That's my priority, mm-hmm. right? So just even learning the different dynamics of just how to deal with people. I mean, I'm used to uh, working with one or two clients at a time. Uh, I've actually um, also co-founded a startup that has just launched known as the Ignite Universe. And what the Ignite Universe is, is it's an audience engagement and growth platform that we've launched in the hopes to help filmmakers uh, actually build their own audiences, you know, be able to build their own audiences easier than if they were doing it on social media. And what we've done is we've taken the first film um, chained, which I've kind of been promoting on Instagram because it got into VIF chained. uh, The world is hosted on the ignite universe. So the world is like, more than just your behind the scenes interviews or photos, that kind of thing. We've actually built it out where right now in the development section, um, you can see interviews with the director and the producer and they kind of talk about the concepts of why you shouldn't just write what you know. Um, Because Titus, the director is like, what I know is actually really boring. So he wanted to create a film that, you know, was universal and resonated with a lot of people, but wasn't just focused on, you know, what, what he knows, because the premise of Chained is this young, um, like, black boy comes across this older criminal who's white, who's chained inside a warehouse. Mm. And they develop this really kind of uneasy sort of friendship and then something happens and like the tables turn and by and and the boy is actually being abused by his dad as well at home so it's like an unstable home life he befriends this criminal and then things kind of go topsy-turvy from there and the the point that the director's trying to make in if you go into the chain world and inside the development portion of it and watch the videos and everything is that anyone can write about anything so as long as you do it respectfully and you do your research mm-hmm. you know so with this platform we're trying to build something that can really uh help filmmakers get that audience and once they get that audience be able to make you know find it that much easier to apply for funding and like appeal to investors and everything because they have all of these people already and we decided to do that during the whole pandemic because we're like well uh, most festivals are canceling a lot of their, um, their typical intake, like con canceled and Venice con- like canceled all of their international films. TIFF is only like, they only took in something like 50 films kind of thing. VIF only took in a hundred. So we're like, well, instead of relying on the, the circuit to do the promotion for us, why don't we just do it ourselves, build this platform, launch this world for this film and see what the response is going to be. And we launched it like a week ago. And so far, like, you know, we've got people signing up people, you know, over a thousand people have watched the trailer, the, the, the hype for the movie's good so far and everything. And we actually, we just yesterday came out, we're one of only 16 films that they're giving an in-person screening to in October. 
So it's like, it's been pretty good so far. And it's been a long journey already to kind of get it to this point. So I'm interested to kind of see, you know, in developing more of the marketing strategy for the platform and for the business, where that's going to take us and hopefully get um, some investment down the road. But it's definitely been a kind of long road to even get to the point where we're like, okay, this is the framework of what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. There's so many points that uh, <laughs> that came out of there that I wanted to <laughs> highlight, but I don't want to interrupt and wanted to just let you rip. So that was great. <laughs> um, I think the point where uh, it just made me think I had like the lens of when in right in the beginning of mm. when you were talking the like baby boomer and millennial just like lifestyle and like work and you know working at one place and I really liked your uh, just your insight and take on on that and how you highlighted um, I don't think a workplace is actually going to be able to grow with me and that actually is very beautifully articulated and something that I can relate to. And um, I don't think I've stayed at a workplace for five years. I think the longest has been three, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm 30. I started working when I was 15. So I've, I've had lots of different jobs. I've taken, you know, the positives out of all of them. And I've got a ton of experience in a lot of different areas. Um, but uh, that definitely is something that resonated with me. And I think a lot of other people our age and, uh, and hopefully that I, I want to build out on that uh, in the, in the full episode, because I think that's something that definitely people will, um, I think can relate to. And uh, so that was one, one thing. Um, and then I think when we talk about like movies and all these like acronyms and everything, I'll, I might jump in and just be like, Oh, TIFF stands for Toronto International yeah. Film Festival or something like that, you know, okay, yeah. to provide that extra context for people that are like, what the heck are they talking about? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have a tendency to forget myself sometimes because I've been doing this for a while. Right. So yeah, no worries. That's where I'll, I'll jump in and just be like, just to provide context to anyone who's listening. Cause you know, podcast, can get picked up anywhere in the world so mm -hmm. want to make sure that um you know nobody gets lost along the way because you know if you can stay with the train of thought and with what you were saying um it makes a lot of sense and uh but then sometimes you know if you lose the one acronym then you're like i i can't keep on carrying we're listening to the conversation so I'll, I'll be sure to jump in and, and provide that context but uh that was great and I think talking also about you just had mentioned like you know growing up in a family of non-entrepreneurs that's the mm -hmm. same for me as well I think we could definitely build on that um and then just like the takeaways and learnings and some of the big things that you've learned being uh an entrepreneur I think I think it would just be good to just share those and we can just both, you know, share our takeaways. And like, I just incorporated my business in June mm -hmm. um, and I've got close to, I think last time I counted was nine clients. Okay. Um, and so it was interesting hearing you talk about, you have like your, you know, you prefer working with like 
one or two clients at a time. Um, and I think just like, I don't know, just having like an entrepreneur to entrepreneur conversation of like what's working, what's not, and then being able to share that for other people to listen, I think would be helpful as well. Sure. Um, yeah. And like, are you doing with nine clients? Like, are you doing all the work yourself? Are you contracting? Wow. Yeah. 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 I'm doing everything. Like, like some, some of it is pro bono and just, I've reached out to some people and I'm just like, I just want to help you, you know, have a platform and get started or, um, Uh so like I've, you know, just done a bunch, like some free work, but then most of it is paid and, uh, and it is just me. So, uh, and I've actually taken on in, in that timeframe, um, I kind of like lost two clients because I, I just, I don't know, the communication wasn't quite there and Mm -hmm. um, they just wanted like, you know, all my attention that I just couldn't give because they were one of many clients and they, I I had to set some boundaries there and it just kind of fell through. So it was a good learning um, takeaway for me to be able to be like, okay, how fast can I grow? Cause it's just mm-hmm. me. What can mm-hmm. I take on? I don't want to like keep getting more clients and then, you know, not being able to deliver. Sure. And so you want to make sure that like the quality and output is still there. So it's just balancing your time and resources uh, accordingly, really. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember like there's one great example was when um, I was doing it off the side of my desk and still working uh, part-time actually at, at CTV on the island mm. back in the day. And uh, there was one client, she was an interior designer and I loved talking to her. Like we got along really well. And she had a bunch of notes on like, uh, this was the case where she needed her website redone. So she had a bunch of notes on like what she wanted and everything too. So I kind of felt like it was pretty straightforward. And then I started writing. And once I started writing, it was like, I don't know where all our easy camaraderie went because I thought I understood what she wanted based on the notes that she gave me and the conversations that I had and everything. And it was like, well, I can't, like I kept running into a brick wall actually. Mm. And I remember actually talking to one of my older coworkers about it and he's like, well, you can't read her mind, Mm -hmm. right? You can't read her mind. So maybe it's just better to kind of cut your losses and fold right now, because clearly like what she actually wants in her head didn't translate to her notes or what she's communicating. Right. And didn't translate to what she's been talking to you about either. Mm. So maybe it's just better that, you know, you cut your losses and you fold. And that was kind of an interesting situation for me because like, I, I really liked her. We got along really well. But when it came to doing the actual work, we just couldn't like get on the same wavelength, hmm. you know? And like this same coworker, I'll never forget, like he, he gave me this as a great example of, of dealing with people. Um, he said back in the day, he was working in the States for a, like a, a sports apparel company. And they were in a meeting with a client who was so mad. He was like literally foaming at the mouth. He was on a conference call with my, my former coworker and like all of the guys like on, on the team. And he's so mad. He's like literally foaming at the mouth and like threatening to sue them and this, that, and the other. And then like w- when the call ended, he basically slammed the phone down. Right. So 
they're all um like feeling pretty discouraged feeling pretty down kind of angry as well because you know it's like man we've never had a client call go that badly right yeah so they uh his boss, my coworker's boss, call like calls the client's office to like apologize to try and find out what what happened. And the receptionist on the other end goes, uh, "He had a heart attack and he passed." Oh my god! Like the day before. So the point my coworker was trying to make was like, y- y- you know, I know it's hard, but try not to take that kind of stuff personally because you never know what the other person on the other end is dealing with. Yeah, totally. Right? Like that guy was clearly dealing with a ton of health problems. No idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like that, that was a great lesson. I remember learning from that too. And just, you know, like when it comes to working, cause I do a lot of strategy stuff mm-hmm. for marketing. And then I do campaign execution stuff for PR and for social media and everything. Are you more on the strategy side or are you doing design? Like what's your. I've done a little bit of everything because I've worked in the, both the nonprofit and for-profit space. I've worked uh-huh. in like, uh, I've spent close to seven years in the auto industry. So that was a lot mm. of marketing and sales. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I got into managing everything digital. So yeah, anything digital marketing was within my wheelhouse and I worked for like a large dealer group and then I worked mm. for a small independent standalone dealership as well um, so I've got that experience and then I've worked for like team like marketing teams of up to uh, about four or five mm-hmm. um, that I've like managed and then um, and then down to one just yeah. me so um, but I've always collaborated with other employees, yeah. not marketing related, but uh, because I find that it's very, I know one thing I really like about marketing and the positions that I've been in is I've worked really closely with the owners, the CEOs, the people that are the, the decision maker. And then I've worked really closely with um, executive teams, managers of their departments or programs. And then mm-hmm. I've worked closely with stakeholders like board members and uh you know volunteers and so like internal and external and um so it's been really great to be able to collaborate with people from the front line all the way to the top and then i try to i mean you can't market if you don't fully understand the business that you are trying to market so like a good example is like in the auto industry, I needed to be able to understand how the service department ran, the parts department, the collision, um, like auto body um, <clears throat> from like the wash base that, you know, related to sales, to the new car sales, the used car sales, the finance department, and then also work with the CEO on like high level stuff as well. Um, and so I got to be like an expert in all aspects of the business to be able to like market whatever company I've worked at in as, as holistic of a picture as possible. So, um, and I've done that like in the nonprofit space where I worked for a company that provided 
um, they were like provincial. They were huge, mm-hmm. they had multiple offices and close to 20 programs. And they provided services for a wide range of people with disabilities from like babies to seniors. And mm-hmm. so I got to work with like program managers, front level staff, everything, and like really understood, you know, the company as much as I could so that I could market it in a big part too that has kind of evolved over time uh, with my work has been storytelling or copyright and that's gotten bigger and bigger and I think you know more companies are starting to realize the power of telling a story Mm -hmm. Uh, and that kind of has a net benefit of increasing sales without being salesy Mm -hmm. uh, which is great so uh, that'd be something that I'd love to talk to you about because um, and I'm surprised that you had that interaction with your coworker because I find you very well uh, you're I, I think you come across as a very clear thinker and a clear communicator so if there's like some sort of communication breakdown it feels like not to blame the other person but there's like a, a break in like their thoughts being able to articulate what they want to get across because I don't know. I feel like um, you have a pretty good head on your shoulders and I think you and I could carry a pretty good conversation without knowing all the context and like yeah. our wavelengths would be able to like align, you know, yeah. like it'd be able to connect. So no, uh, like that, that client was, you know, I just think that sometimes it happens with clients where it's like, you know, they have a certain vision in their head of like what some, how something's supposed to go or what they want out of it. And they just can't always articulate it whether it's in writing or like actually talking to you about it. So, I mean, that was early on when I was doing the whole freelancing thing and, and like that, it is what it is, right. It can't, it it doesn't always work out, you know? Yeah. And that the other part of being an entrepreneur I find is just learning when to let that go and how to let it go. Yeah. Um, It's pretty big because you know, you're, you know, you, the, most of the time, the people that you encounter, like you do want to work with them, right? You want to help them out. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out the way that you want it to, because every single one of us kind of had, particularly in marketing, you sort of, there's a lot of us that do what we do, right? There's a lot of people that do copywriting. There's a lot of people that do social media. There's a lot of people that do publicity. There's a lot of people that do graphic design and other aspects of marketing, but every single one of us does it differently. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of a matter of like finding somebody that really can gel with you on what your goals are. How are we going to get there? You know, these are the suggestions I have. And, you know, um, because at the end of the day, you're all, I think you're all on one team and you're you're all trying to um, just get her done. And succeed with those goals and everything and I've I don't know if you've been through this yourself but I've actually gone through a couple different times where I was subcontracting for an agency and of course with with an agency setting they're working with a ton of clients at any given time on a ton of different things um and their clients are from all different walks of industries right so you go in there as a subcontractor and you know, it's like, I, I, you know, I get hired to do the, the PR portion of it. It's like, okay, well, media research, news release, pitching, media relations, scheduling interviews. 
but it's also sometimes when the agency acts as a middleman that's the other part of it too is like when you have a middleman sometimes a lot more gets lost in translation than you would intend for there to be yeah um so there there have been times where it's like you know we've kind of had to work it out on like okay uh do you want to continue being the middleman or are you okay with me actually contacting the client directly kind of thing yeah i i feel like uh, i think this is definitely an area that we could uh explore uh when we record is just the um the hat the marketing hat and what mm -hmm. that means because i think each company and each individual within that company that's doing the the hiring or whatever has their own definition of what they're looking for and uh you know that's kind of the frustrating part i find of being in marketing and i chose it because i didn't quite know what i wanted to do so i wanted it mm. to be broad and mm -hmm. i've had broad experience but I, I do envy you know sometimes um my wife for example is a speech language pathologist she's like you know it's a regulated profession she knows what she's gonna get paid she knows like you know, there's different areas that you can branch into, but like, there's not a question really of like what you're, what you're doing. It's mm -hmm. more clear cut, whereas marketing is really, really broad. And I find that the, you know, you've talked about what you were hired to do and then yeah. actually you end up doing is something yeah. different, especially even if in a job description, there's uh, like, if the word sales is mentioned in it only once and it's expected like, you know, 30% or 10% of your time is going to be spent on sales. Often it's like 90 it, or it turns into 90%. And I get how the two work, but yeah. um, I think there needs to be more dialogue in the beginning phases of clearly laying out expectations, having things in writing on what the responsibility is of you and for it to not change too much. I understand that things evolve and you need to adapt as like the role changes, but there's so many different avenues that marketing has that I feel, um, it's, I, I don't know, I, I've been stretched so thin to do so many different things that, and I'm always trying to, and I think every marketer has the difficulty of like spending a lot of time educating other people, including your boss on mm. what you need to do. If you're not working for a marketing agency, if you're working yeah. for a company as a marketer, yeah. uh, you spend a lot of your time educating internally to other staff what you are doing and mm -hmm. how it works and and what's going to be involved in uh whatever project you're currently working on or what your goals are mm -hmm. and uh yeah i think like if you can be as good of a communicator as possible like communication is so huge within marketing and i feel like sometimes people you know, maybe go into marketing, but they're, um, I just, I, I can't emphasize how important like communication is if you want to go into marketing, like it's huge and you will stand out, uh, from a lot of people if you're able to be a clear communicator and, uh, like a really good listener and be able to, I know, execute on what you're, 
um, supposed to be doing and hopefully not get (laughs) (laughs) turned into like your role turned into something completely different. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not a question about being inflexible, right? It's more of like having that clarification on exactly what it is that I'm I'm supposed to be doing and where, where my strengths lie. And it's like, if you need an extra set of hands somewhere else, it's not that I would say no, but you need that clarification so that everybody kind of knows um, where they stand. And the funny thing is, it's like, it really wasn't until fairly recently that I actually even sat down and thought about what kind of leadership I'd want to work with. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's like I, I spent, you know, um, so long just kind of working with different people and, and getting into these different opportunities. And in some cases, when I was in-house, it was kind of, I, I actually had an in-house opportunity as a, a co-op student when I was still in university where I was green as green could be. And we had a client actually come up to the offices, storm in looking for the CEO you know, mad as hell, claiming that the CEO was stealing food off his employees' plates. Mm. And I sat there and I was like, I might be green, but there is something wrong with how you're running your business if a client's going to come up and make a scene like this and freak the rest of us out and, you know make us wonder if like, even if the CEO shows up, is it going to come to blows kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Company culture just is like huge. Right. And the, oh, and yeah. the type of leaders that you get, um, I mean, it varies. Each, each leader is different. Mm-hmm. Very, very different. If you can have a, a workplace that has good company culture um, or if you just work with people that, you know, are, great to work with. They're great leaders. Like I find great leaders too far and few in between and not to point figures, but like, you know, a lot of uh, baby boomers are still in the workplace. They're not retiring as uh, you know, they're just, they're not retiring. And I feel like the amount of change that has happened in the, you know, 30, 40 years since they've been in the workplace, I get that it's difficult. I get that it's challenging Mm -hmm. from from their standpoint especially if you are now working with marketers and all these new positions that exist for marketing your business Mm -hmm. Um, I get that but I've you know and not to paint everyone baby boomer with the same brush or whatever but um, I feel that they're the the next wave of managers and uh, leaders out there hopefully will be you know, just a little bit, a step up in terms of being able to like work and collaborate with our generation. Um, Because I think a lot of the education time spent in the workforce from a marketing standpoint will hopefully Mm -hmm. be minimized by by some time frame. If you're spending 10% of your time educating, hopefully that will reduce to 5% with the next, you know, number of managers that come into uh, place. But yeah, I find good leaders too far and few between in the workplace, yeah. the decision makers. I'm just like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Sometimes I just see some people in the positions that they are. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. don't get it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
yeah. but ultimately it's like I, I always try to remind myself it's like at, you know at the end of the day if, if what we need to do still gets done totally then that's it right like you you it's hard to kind of let not take it personally in in that moment mm-hmm. or you know if that situation's going on because you're like you know um like myself when we're talking about communication styles i like there's a lot of people that i know that don't particularly like email i like it because there's a concrete paper trail mm-hmm. i can read what you've said I don't have to listen to you like on the phone while you're driving, fighting with a ton of traffic. And I can only hear like a quarter of what you're saying. Yeah. And like everything's concrete, right? But there's people that would rather hop on the phone or there's people that would rather um, do a text message or something in today's day and age to kind of get the point across but it's like you know i've been in a lot of situations particularly more um when you're dealing with different stakeholders different departments where i'm like okay um there's clearly a giant bottleneck here you know we're we're limited in terms of you know what information we can get out when because we're waiting on this other department to bring us a piece of graphic design or bring you know do the website updates or or whatever it is and I'm just like, I'm just going to have to let that go because mm-hmm. it will eventually get out in spite of the bottleneck. And, you know, I'm not the one I always have to remind myself. It's like, I'm not the one who's in charge of building that framework. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be mm-hmm. because if, if I did, I w- that's the job I would have applied for. That's how I would have, you know, that that's the pitch I would have made to the client to take care of that portion of it for them. But that's not my job. Yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of what we do as marketers, because, you know, you can't operate in a silo, you have to work with all these different departments and stakeholders is that a lot of what we do mentally, and emotionally is also learning how to let those things go because we're not in charge of them. Like the best we can do is present our viewpoints, whether or not they get listened to or incorporated. It is what it is. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I want to wrap up in like a few minutes, but um, yeah, this is so good. I think we'll be able to cover a lot of different points. And if you're, if you're open to it, this was so good. Um, Might be worth even like posting this video and just sharing it as um, just to give people some context into like what goes on before an episode actually gets recorded we don't have to if you don't want to that's totally fine but I just think like I think it would be neat to to share and say um you know for those who are wanting to know about what goes on in starting a podcast and if you've never met someone before and you want to like build up some rapport before just recording live sure um you know here's kind of like an example of what um we did prior to an actual podcast and this can be shared at any point in time and if you if you're not comfortable with it that's that's fine too it doesn't have to be but just something that came to mind that uh yeah i just wanted to throw that out there i think it's interesting just to kind of keep the conversation going you know because 
sometimes I find uh, some of the best conversations are like the unpolished ones. Like you don't have to have oh, a yeah. ton of production values and all that stuff. You're just kind of two people sitting around having a conversation, you know, like this, this is how um, we've got all the technology in the world. But at the end of the day, this is how you sit down and get to know somebody still. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, I, yeah, I, I don't mind it because this is all stuff that um, like I spent so long in my business. I'm actually working with an awesome business coach right now locally. She's in Surrey. And um, I actually we just started my um, the Attraction Academy program that I signed up with with her. Um, this is week two. And I'd said to her, I'm like, I spent years not wanting to share any of this stuff because I was like, I want my work to speak for itself. Mm. I'm going to share the projects that I've done for clients and the results that I've gotten them. And that, that should be enough. Oh, right? that's the polished stuff. Because who wants to hear about the rest of this stuff anyway? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's always, she's been telling me, she's like, people want to hear it because you'd be surprised how many people are in exactly the same boat. So that's why I decided to reach out to you and these other podcasts. And I'm like, eh, there's one thing I don't feel self-conscious about. It's talking. So why not give that a shot? Yeah, for sure. And like, I was kind of hesitant about sharing, like posting that Instagram live <laughs> that mm. I just did with Steph. Cause I'm like, Oh man, there's a lot of like figuring it out as uh, you know, as we did, but I'm like, eh, Ever like I am figuring it out and I'd rather just share the raw footage um, and and you will get polished good and results as well um, mm. but I think it's good to just know and like I know just be real be authentic and uh, it doesn't you don't have to always show like the the polished end product I think a lot of the behind the scenes stuff is actually really valuable and people want to know that um as well just as much yeah no absolutely yeah i'm I'm starting to actually realize that because i've been getting responses from people and i'm like oh okay people actually do care like mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally cool awesome well i'm going to uh hit stop recording but before right. i do is there anything that uh you also want to touch on or give like a teaser out uh anything that you want to cover um, I think we've actually covered it pretty well. Like, as you said, we've spanned a pretty big spectrum right now, just over the course of our conversation, right? I think we've got plenty to work with. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time, uh, Lillian. I appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Absolutely. I'm glad we're finally able to connect on this. Hey folks, Dean here. Thanks so much for listening to part one of two of our conversation. And you can connect with Lillian at Twitter at LSUE23 or on Instagram at LSUE30 or reach out to her on her website, which is www.inretrospectwritingservices.com. Once again, that's www.inretrospectwritingservices.com. And once again, another reminder, this episode was brought to you by our very first sponsor, We Pay Off Debt. Super excited to partner up with Robert Borgerson, who was episode number 17 on the podcast. And I wanted to partner up with Rob because he is all about financial support and education. And so without further ado, 
please check out www.wepayoffdebt.ca forward slash Dean for 50% off your first month and some free tools to help you get started. Once again, www.wepayoffdebt.ca forward slash Dean for 50% off your first month and to get some free tools to get you started.